Welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word, the podcast that empowers you to say fuck being fine. Tired of being stuck in a place where you say everything's fine, when it's really not fine at all? You're not alone. I'm your host, Lori Seitz. I've been there too, and so have my guests. Here's a secret. All it takes is a conscious decision to change and then restructure beliefs so your actions take you in the right direction. That's where Fine is a Four-Letter Word comes in. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories from people who have transformed their lives and businesses and practical tips and takeaways to move you from spinning in place to forward action so you can create a life of joy. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Does it seem like everyone else is doing great while you're struggling? And because it seems like you're the only one who can't manage and everyone else has their shit together, you're either afraid or unwilling to talk about it. But what if you then got to have deep, meaningful conversations with other people and discovered they're going through the same struggles as you? Mark Zalmanoff was raised largely by a single father who didn't really explain much to him. His father taught him lessons by example, how to be a good human being, how to be an entrepreneur, and how to be decent toward women regardless of the circumstances. His other major influence was his joyful, warm grandmother, who went through a lot of health struggles yet maintained her optimism and cheer until the end. Mark grew up, married, and had a child. He became a partner in a gym. Then he got divorced. Not long after, he had another child with another woman, but then they broke up. Then the gym ran out of money. Mark didn't speak with his partner about any of what was happening. He just walked out and invited his own personal training clients to follow him to a new venue he rented. Somehow, Mark managed to get through every situation, so it seemed fine. But fine is a four-letter word. Over and over again, he found himself going through major changes without talking about it. He had learned from his dad that this is just what men do, and he never noticed that others might be going through the same thing. Until one day, when he found out the other gym owners he shared a parking lot with were also struggling in business. In a moment, when you meet Mark, you'll discover how his life significantly changed when he got himself around other good men and discovered the power of masterminding. Coupled with this, he realized how our culture teaches men to talk about surface-level stuff like sports, politics, and current events, but never to really open up to each other in the same way women find themselves able to do naturally. Through his new venture, The Joy Code, Mark is bringing men together to help them share their successes and struggles by creating a space where they feel comfortable, where they can get around others who are leveling up and pouring into themselves to become better humans. Asking, how can I have a better relationship with myself? Like Mark, it's possible you're not fine because you don't feel comfortable admitting things in your life aren't as fine as you're convincing people they are. If you want to start changing the coding in your brain so you can, as Mark is known for saying, make good choices, the five easy ways to start living the sabbatical life guide is for you. Once you read it, you'll discover a counterintuitive approach to making intentional changes in mindset and lifestyle. Learn how to own your feelings and your struggles so you can address them and find out how to face fears, step out of your comfort zone, and rewire your beliefs. 
It's only seven pages, so it won't take you long to get through. The five tactics are simple, but once you follow even one of them, you'll find yourself feeling more open and able to deal with your situation in a more powerful way. When you're ready to say fuck being fine, then this guide is the place to start. It's time to blaze a new trail and chart a new course. Go to zenrabbit.com right now to download it for free. Now, let's go meet Mark. Get ready because it looks like we're doing burpees. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Mark Zalmanoff. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me. I am excited. Uh, for anyone who knows me and doesn't know me yet, I love running my mouth. So this is this is my jam. So I'm excited to be on here. Excellent. Excellent. I'm trying to remember how we first met. Like, I don't know if it was through Success Champions. I think we were connected somehow before that. But We, we may have been. You know, it, when you... You get in this entrepreneurial world and you start to understand how small it really is. And it can seem really big and, you know, because social media paints a picture of certain things. But like after a while, you're like, oh, we're kind of all connected and there's only like this. I know it's not small, but it's small, relatively speaking. You know, even just look yeah. at America, you know, there's what, 330 million people or whatever. Like there's only a handful of us really pursuing things the way that we pursue and being public about it and being on social media. So at some point, like we're all crossing the same path somewhere along the line. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, at the same time, there's so many people that we don't know. And I bring that up because I've had so many conversations with entrepreneurs who have said, oh, well, people are already doing what I'm doing. Like everybody knows, I don't know, like Brendan Burchard, for example, and he's not a small um you know, he's somebody that a lot of people know, but yeah. yet I'm constantly running into people well, who don't know who he is. And, and I just I, came across somebody today who I can't remember her name even, but I was like, how do I not know who this person is? Like, you feel like everybody knows everybody, but then there's still always room for somebody else to bring in their knowledge and wisdom, which we're going to get to talking about in a minute uh, in, in your case, because I love the new project you're on. But before we go there... What are the values and beliefs that you were raised with that contributed to you becoming who you became as a young adult and into now? Yeah, great question. You know, when I was growing up, it was my my dad and my grandmother raised me. My mother wasn't in the picture. Um, and my dad was never the type of guy that like sat me down and taught me lessons. You know, it was, it was very much, I just saw the example on a daily basis in Whatever I gathered from that is what I gathered. And my grandmother was the same way. And it's not that we didn't communicate and didn't talk. He just wasn't that guy. He just didn't sit down and go, I'm going to tell you about how to talk to people. And I'm going to tell like, that wasn't him, but he was a salesman growing up when, you know, when I was growing up and I saw him in the way that he communicated on the phone. I saw the way that he communicated in person. I saw the handshakes. I saw the eye contact. I saw the way that he treated people. I saw the way he treated people when they would leave too. And, and so over time, I just kind of formulated this opinion of, okay, this is the way that we, that we operate. And when you're young, you only have, and especially, you know, we didn't have the internet and social media and all that when I was a kid. So I only right. had the examples that were being shown to me. I didn't have people, you know, other people to look up to outside of, you know, what you saw on TV. There was no content. There was no YouTube. 
I, I didn't read things at that time. Like, no, you know, kids my age, we didn't read anything. But it was very much like you just treat people the way you want to be treated. And it's as mundane as that may be. And it's not this mind-blowing advice. It's what I was shown. And then my grandma was this like very happy, very joyful, very grateful person outwardly expressed her gratitude really for just being alive. Like she faced a lot of stuff in, in her last 15 years, a ton of health problems. Mentally, she was always there, but health wise, like her body really just gave up on her. Uh-huh. But I saw the way that she handled it and the grace that she had and and the joy that she continued to put out in the world and the people around her, despite her own quote unquote suffering and physical pain that she went through and years later you know removed from all that i'm like oh like here's all all the lessons that i was being taught that i I had no idea i was learning at the time started to really come to fruition as i faced challenges and look you know i i know we talked before like my my problems are first world problems i'm I'm not gonna make any mistake about it but they're still my problems and there's still things that i have to deal with so at the end of the day, I have to pull from some of those examples of what I was shown in the way that they handled adversity, figure out, okay, what fits with what they showed me? How do I handle adversity? And then how can I get a little bit better at it too? Because I coach people and I have for years and years and years, and those people face adversity and I want to be a resource for them as well. So it, it really, it was this just examples that I was given that ended up being you know, the foundation of who I am now. And thankfully I was very blessed to have a great father and a great grandmother and really great examples. Cause not everybody has that. I was right. I was well, I was just going to say everybody is pretty much, that's how everybody learns. Every, most of what they learn is by watching the people around them, whether they have good role models or not, that's how beliefs are instilled is not so much by what people's tell you is by how they act. Yeah, I was talking to a buddy of mine last week on on my podcast, and what shaped him, again, was his upbringing, but the other way. He was like, that's what mm-hmm. I don't want to be. You know, yeah. I don't want to be like my father. I don't want to have a household where I'm never present for my children. I don't want my kids to have to raise my other kids because of decisions I've made. So, you know, and, and again, thankfully for him, he chose that route. He could have chosen the same yeah. route. Which, you know, exactly. we, we see that all the time. People just repeat yep. that, that vicious cycle of, of toxic behavior until somebody, somebody's got to be the breaker of that, of that chain. Right. And again, thankfully I had, I had great examples. So I get to continue to instill that in my kids and the people around me as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And, but you had some, some challenges in the earlier part of your life as well. I mean, as a young adult that, um, I'm sure that the lessons you learned from your dad and your grandmother helped you get through, but you know, we all still have those stumbling blocks. That's kind of one of the points where you said, you know, everything was fine, but wasn't fine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, as a fitness professional for 20 something years, you know, I started in a big box gym and I got married really early and divorced really early. So, you know, I'm trying to start a career. And then all of a sudden I find myself, I'm a single father and, you know, managing those things. And, and again, that's, a, that's stuff a lot of people go through, but it's still your stuff to go through it. And it's interesting because my dad has always been such a great supporter of me, almost to a fault. 
where it's like, there's a few times in life I just wish you would have called me out on my shit. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know <laughs> if right. you're making good choices here or not. But again, you know, super, <laughs> super supportive. Um, and and then, you know, I, I did well early in my fitness career. And so I decided, well, I'm doing well. So I'm going to go do my own thing. And I had this business partner that that didn't work at all. And there were all these red flags. But, you know, I was so stubborn in what I wanted that I was at the time, and, you know, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily see things as a sacrifice, but, you know, I made concessions to make something happen that I probably shouldn't have. And I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed because there was this selfish part of me. It's like, well, but I want that. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. I, I've never been one to like, I'm going to prove them. Like, I don't know. I've kind of operated with a level of confidence where I don't have a lot of people that have ever told me I can't do this or I'm not capable of doing that. I, I don't hear those things. I don't have the haters that a lot of people talk. And I'm sure there's people out there who hate me because I'm so happy. I, I got that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so so life starts coming at me again. You know, I'm a single father. I'm trying to start a gym. And and, and that's hard because I had no idea what owning a business meant at, you know, 20 something years old. And then I find myself in another relationship. I have another kid. So now we got two baby mamas. That relationship doesn't work. So obviously I got some relationship issues that that I haven't figured out. And that's one thing I didn't have a great example of. You know, my my dad was married several times. And again, he treated them kindly. I saw I saw chivalry. I saw a gentleman. And I don't know what happened. You know, that wasn't any of my business. From a kid's perspective. Right. We don't know. That wasn't my business at the time. But again, nobody taught me how to have a healthy relationship either. So now now I got business struggles and relational struggles. And I don't know of two bigger struggles in life that a person can face at the same time. Right. What did your dad do as a career? Was he an entrepreneur? He sold everything. He sold homes, shoes, pianos, uh, cars. We owned a car lot. Most of my, my middle school to high school, we literally owned a car lot. It was a used car lot in Sherman, Texas. And it was at a time where you could still find really nice used cars that like his market was basically parents who were buying kids their first car. And at that okay. time for right. four or five grand, you could get, you could still get a really nice working vehicle that he would put me in if, if, you know, that needed to be the decision. Yeah. So he, I was asking because things. I didn't know if you had a role model as a business owner. Yeah. I mean, really it was him. Yeah. But again, okay. you know, when you look at like, we lived on the car lot. So, mm-hmm. you know, I never saw a P&L. I don't, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any of the inner workings other than, oh, we right, put nice right. cars on the lot. We take good care of them. We sell them to people. I was like, oh, that seems easy, relatively. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. And the gym industry is not, I mean, no business is, quote, is like easy, but you have such, uh, so much capital investment in equipment. It's equipment. It's overhead. You know, I, I live in Frisco, Texas, where my gym is located. It's one of the fastest growing cities in America, which means rent is not cheap. And I'm an industrial building. You know, we got mm-hmm. the big garage bay door. There's no heat or AC in the, in the part of the gym where we work out. There's literally three <laughs> so other heard. gyms. There's three <laughs> other gyms in my parking lot. Like right wow. across from me, there's more gyms. And it's, you know, people will say they're industry saturated. And, you know, m- maybe it is, maybe it's not. But like the gym industry is hard. And I know very few people that are operating what what's called a boutique style gym like mine that mm-hmm. really, really excel. 
And most of them have had to go online to supplement the income because there's such high turnover. You know, the client turnover is enormous. The cost of acquisition of a client is enormous and, and rent keeps going up. Like it never gets cheaper, right. <laughs> you know, right. And, yeah. and we can only charge so much in certain business models. Otherwise you, you, there's a tendency you can really price yourself out. You know, if I want to charge a lot more than I charge right now, I would really have to move locations and create a different type of experience. So I have this, this gritty, hardworking, you know, style of workouts where people come in and there's some pride that comes along with that of like, we do hard shit in the gym. And for right. most of our clients, it's the hardest physical thing they will do any day of the week. Yeah. But there's some level where like, if you're charging a thousand dollars or more a month for training, like there's also lifetime fitness down the road. And people can pay a thousand dollars a month to train down there, and it's nice, right. and it's bougie, and there's a and, sauna, right? And a spa to have and... exactly to have the resort style um, experience. Yeah, so they it, come it, to it... you for I I understand people come to you for um, burpees. I don't know if they come to me for them, but they <laughs> but they one hundred percent receive them because I'm a giving person, you know. Like I, I, like I to know. share the love. I, I yeah. know that about you, and yes, uh huh. <laughs> so funny yeah. uh, people's people's adversity to burpees is hilarious to me it's like I, i'm not saying they're easy but it's literally your own body getting on the ground and getting back up but i mean you do enough of them and it's it's challenging for sure take your breath away that's for damn sure yeah for sure for sure I, i've been in that yeah i've i've done them so then how did you move from the challenges uh, so you mentioned your partnership that your business partnership that didn't work out. Yeah, uh, let's go there first and then yeah. come back to the personal relationship, their partnerships that didn't work out. But how did you work through that or how did you get, you know, what was that experience entirely? So we co-owned a gym, literally 50-50. And it just, it got to a point where I'm like, this isn't working. I'm broke, like broke, broke. And I literally just left. I took the people that I was training at the time that were, you know, the clients were the gym's clients, but there had been this division because of the times that we worked. Like I typically worked mornings. He typically worked afternoons. So it's like all the people in the morning got me, all the people in the afternoon got him. And mm -hmm. I just told all my people, I'm like, Hey, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving. I found a place to train. If you want to follow me, I'd be super grateful for you to follow me. And most people did, which was awesome. So, mm -hmm. and, but again, like I just ended that. I was like, I'm out. Yeah. And that's the last so time I ever talked to this guy. So you just walked out the door and you're like, see you, dude. Peace out. It, it, yeah. Because there, at that time, I didn't have good counsel. I didn't have bad counsel. I had no counsel. I, that's mm -hmm. really, I didn't have good, I had zero counsel in my life. I didn't have people that I could confide in. I didn't have people that I could turn to and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. And so that's all I knew to do is just leave. And, yeah. you know, so for, there were several years where business was just a struggle. Again, I was, I was training people out of somebody else's gym, paying them rent for the space. So, so when we talk about fine, like it was fine. It mm -hmm. was never great. You know, there were times it was really, really good. And again, it didn't necessarily rob me of my joy, but I know that like there was more and, and I didn't know how to find it. And so just years of, you know, being a couple of clients away from breaking through, but also being a couple of clients away from breaking and, you know, doing yeah. like odd internet jobs to make up income on the weekend, like, you know, anything I could do to support. Cause now I got two kids mm -hmm. and I'm a single dad. 
mm-hmm. trying to figure that out. And so what ended up happening was several years later, this was probably I don't know, seven or eight years ago now, um, I, I started to see that there were other fitness people out there doing well. And I was like, huh. Well, that's refreshing because I don't know any. <laughs> like, literally, everyone right, that I knew see... was okay. No yeah, one was doing great. But once you great. see a role model who is doing what you would like to be doing, then it becomes possible for you. Yeah, I'm like, huh. All right, this is this is something. And I I came across a coach that this is really the you know kind of early on in this like. I know business coaching has been around forever, but as the as Facebook grew and the and the rise of of internet coaches grew, I came across this guy who had been in the fitness industry for twenty years at that point, and you know he had this program, so I joined his program. I was able to I was able to join his program, and I started getting around other people who were pushing for more and striving for more, being successful. And that was probably one of the biggest turning points was that initial coaching group. And I've learned a lot more from other groups since then, but that was the turning point was me getting in the room, paying to be in the room with those people. And then as time went on, you know, there were business strategies and techniques and things. And so it, it, it started to immerse me in this coaching realm of like, well, what else is out there? Who else is out there? What else are people saying? And, you know, we've all heard of Tony Robbins and John Maxwell. And, and those were kind of, in, in my head, those were the two prevalent guys for, you know, decades on end, right? Like we read John Maxwell books when I worked at Lifetime Fitness and, and management to grow our own personal leadership. But it kind of came back around to that, like, oh, you have to work on yourself if you want things to be better. I'm like, oh, what a, what a concept, right? Like, who, yeah, knew? Right? who knew my own personal shit would affect everything else that I do? <laughs> and and I was fortunate to to begin to surround myself intentionally and sometimes unintentionally, just, you know, fate would have it around people that were in that realm of, hey, wh- why don't you work on you? Like, what are your habits? What are your routines? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Because now podcasts were growing and, and people really right. started to pour into that and and get away from the, you know, watching TV at night and all those things. And so it's like little by little, like the Tim Ferriss show. That's one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Like I started listening to him and he has all these world-class guests on that started to expand my mindset to what's out there and different ways of thinking and different approaches. And it's when I was introduced to stoicism, which to this day, I'm a huge fan of stoicism. I read philosophy all the time. I have a tattoo on my arm that says memento mori. And so I, you know, I kind of started to immerse myself in that. And eventually, you know, joined a couple of other masterminds where, again, the real primary focus was work on you. And that became the theme. And I just want to point out something here, too, because for people who are listening, it's not necessarily you don't have to be in physical proximity to people because some people don't have the resources or don't have the like whatever. They don't have the time to physically get themselves in a group where you know, people are doing the same thing and up leveling, but we have so many resources that, like you said, podcasts or video, YouTube, you know, on YouTube, all of that stuff to help raise your, raise your vibration, raise your energy, put you in the right environment around the quote unquote right people who are thinking 
more uh, more in line with where you might want to go. Which is, well, I just wanted to point out that yeah. there that, that there are so many resources that you don't have to physically be in a room with somebody. I mean, the majority of the guys that I talk to on a regular basis that are in this circle of people that I associate with are nowhere near me. I got one one of my really good friends. He comes to the gym. He lives locally. We chat. We've done business together. We've coached together. We've vacationed together. Like we've done a lot of things together. But outside of him, I mean, most of the people that the people that I look to to confide in or mastermind with or whatever, they're all over the place. And, you know, one of the coaching groups that I belong to, we meet up once a quarter throughout the year. You know, we, we go to two days, we go meet up somewhere, we do events and things like that. But you know, the, the world is, is different than it used to be. Even 10 years ago, you want to learn something, go to YouTube. Like I've been, I've been kind of mentoring. So I have a 16 year old son. He's got an older brother. That's not my son, but great kid. We have a great relationship. And he started a car detailing business. And so I've been you know, voluntarily helping him because I want to see him succeed. He's a great kid. Mm-hmm. He's got a great work ethic. He's really driven. He's He's got purpose in his life. And I love, he's 19, right? Look, and we complain mm-hmm. about these, I don't know what generation that is right now, but we complain about these kids. Right. But there's there's a lot of kids like him that want it, but they don't know where to go. So yeah. I've been mentoring him, but I was on a call with him last night. We were working through some CRM stuff and he's like, oh yeah, I've been on YouTube learning how to do things. I'm like, see right there. Like he took some initiative, whatever yeah. you want to, almost anything you want to learn nowadays is on YouTube. Right. So if we don't have the money yet, if we don't have the resources to pay to be in groups, there's so much content, like find the people that you resonate with and go listen to their stuff and go listen to their podcast and go watch their YouTube and go watch their Instagram and go buy their book for $10. Like, you know, never has information been so accessible to everyone. Yeah. I just wanted to point that out when you were talking, but so you can go on now (laughs) about how you you got yourself around the the right people and started up-leveling. And so, you know, the, the pouring into myself and really, you know, taking a step back for a second, quit worrying about the business side and how much, you know, I mean, we need to worry about revenue when you pay rent every month, but it was, okay, what can I do for me to be a better human being and not work, not how can I be a better this or that? No, no, no. Just me. How can I show up in the world better? And when I started doing that, lo and behold, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, quote unquote, I have this, this great relationship with this woman and my business starts to do a little bit better. And I look around and my circle of friends is growing. Again, it was almost non-existent. I just didn't have people around me. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I got these, these like men that I look up to very specifically men, like, you know, cause as a man, sometimes we, we have this tendency to isolate ourselves. And then yeah. we go, everything's fine. It's fine. It's all fine. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. And then they go home and suffer right. every day in their own shit because they yeah. have nobody they can go talk to about it. Well, in a lot of ways, our society has shaped that. Like, that's what we expect or that's what we have created. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's I, I think it's a little easier now. I think there's more people talking about it. But that's definitely part of my mission with the Joy Code is targeting men that need that help, that need a place that, you know, from the outside, they look successful. They appear to be successful. They make great money. 
but they're not happy and they are not fulfilled, but, and they don't know how to remedy that because yeah. most men will just work more. Like, oh, I guess I'll just right. make some more money and see what, <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was having a conversation with a friend's husband a, a few weeks ago about this and how men are like, women will get together. And even if they don't really know each other very well, they'll just start chatting. Like you can bond and you can start talking about the most intimate stuff in, you know, 10, 15 minutes. But men don't do that. They'll talk about sports. They'll talk mm -hmm. about politics, maybe. They'll talk food. about work, food. Yeah. But not their inner feelings, not their emotions. God, they, they have emotions. What? What, what are those? You know? <laughs> oh, it's so true. Uh, and so and true. I think that's to the detriment of not just the individual, but as you were talking about earlier, to the family, to the society as a whole. I mean, we have to learn how to communicate better. And, and communication, I believe, is the key to everything, you know, business, relationships, spirituality, even, it, you know, all, all of it falls back to communication. And and look, we, we don't need this like enormous group of people. I always say Jesus had 12, but he really only had three. Like you just need a couple of people. But yeah, but looking at males, like as a man, if you got two people, two or three people that you can talk to. And those men have two or three other people they can talk to. And those men, like, that's how we facilitate change. That's how we get better as a society because you start to create this network of men who feel comfortable, not with everybody. You don't got to air all your shit out on social media, but just a couple right. of people go, Hey man, I'm really struggling right now. Life, life is hard right now. Like business yeah. sucks. You know, my marriage is rocky. I don't have a great relationship with my kid, like wh whatever it may be, like mm -hmm. we need an outlet for that. And even if it's just to outwardly voice that, not looking for a solution at all, even just saying it out loud is a powerful exercise to be like, okay, it's, it's real. But a lot of times when we say our problems out loud, they don't sound as bad because in our head, we yeah. have all these stories and things floating around, but then you're like, you know, like I really need to work on my marriage. Okay. Well, I can do that. Like, you know, yeah. like there's, there's solutions to those things. It's not easy, yeah. but like I, I, I can make that happen instead of this like story I make up in my head of how everything's going to shit and it's all going to fall apart tomorrow. Right. Well, it's when you pull those demons out of the closet, they're not as scary. Yeah. What, sure. What's that thing about something about um, shame lives in darkness. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, and, and once and, you and, say it out loud and it comes to light, you can now you're like, oh, okay. And we can see on social media, you know, there's some guys that have put their shit out there. And for the most part, they're never judged. Because mm -hmm. if if somebody's been suicidal, if somebody's been divorced, if somebody's been addicted to drugs or porn or whatever, like, so have millions of other people. Right. So they put the story out and everybody's like, I feel you. And they're like, oh, shit, really? Like, it was, it was yeah. just that easy? Yeah. Like, I could talk about it? Oh, my gosh. Right. In just, the meantime, they've that. been hiding in the closet with it for years and torturing themselves with the shame and the guilt. And yeah. look, right. Look, once it becomes free. Nobody is facing anything that somebody else has not faced before. And right. when you read, again, I, I read a lot of stoicism. If you read Marcus Aurelius's meditations, which was his own personal journal, if you change the verbiage of the way that he spoke or read it in a modern day, you know, translated language, you wouldn't know that that was 2000 years ago. 
mm-hmm. because it's the same problems. It's the same shit that all of us continue to face to this day. It's the same, you know, battle between uh, bravado and humility and, and grace and compassion and greed and, and humbleness. Like it's the same thing. Like we haven't really changed that much. You know, the, right. the surroundings have changed, the environment's changed, but human beings haven't changed that much. And, right. and, and I think it's, it's important to remember that, that you are facing something that literally millions upon millions of people have faced and will face at some point. So there, which, that, which means there's a blueprint out there to facilitate the change that you want. Somebody's done right. it. Go, go figure right. it, go find it, seek it. Yeah. Yeah. So that leads into what, what you're doing now, the new project you're working on. Tell, tell me about that. So the joy code. Two years ago, I had this idea and then my wife got pregnant. <laughs> and so we put all our focus on the baby. We did a home birth and had a midwife. It was amazing, right? And then, then we had the baby. <laughs> yes. And so life change. And my wife is also a business owner and a coach. And so we really spent the first half of last year trying to figure out life again and, mm-hmm. and manage time and manage our own, you know, personal stuff and figure out what everything looked like. We were searching for a nanny and it was really survival mode. We were talking about it over the weekend. It was really just, I know it wasn't like, oh, where am I going to eat? But it was true survival mode. Like what, what are we doing now? So it was yeah. not a time to launch anything new. But I had the opportunity to work with a couple of men last year who had reached out to me for help. And I've always been a happy person. I've always been a joyful person. Most of the time you find me with a smile on my face. Most people that know me would say I'm the happiest person they know. You know, we have a, you know, I kick people's asses in my gym, but we have a lot of fun in here too. Yeah, that's what makes you happy, kicking their asses. It it does fill me (laughs) up. Like it it definitely fulfills me. I I know you. So I, I was able to really help these two men work through some things and lead them to what they were looking for. I didn't provide the answer to them, but I asked a lot of questions. I gave them exercises to do. I gave them, you know, my own personal experience and things that I've worked with, with clients over the years. And so when, when things reoccur in my life, I do my best to pay attention to them. And I've had a lot of business ideas over the year that literally just faded away somewhere. And, you know, I'll see something pop up on Facebook or something like, oh, yeah, I remember trying that and that didn't work. But this idea of helping other people find more joy and fulfillment in life keeps coming back. Mm -hmm. And so as we approach the end of 2023, like we have a regular schedule, we have a great nanny, baby's a little bit easier because he's one now. So he's, you know, he's got a schedule and a cadence to him. My wife's finding her groove back with her life and her business stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, it's time. And so, you know, I launched this initiative. I'm still working out the king, you know, like any infancy stage of a business. I'm still figuring out, like, I know the purpose behind it. I know what I, right. what I'm really good at. Still working out, like, how do I facilitate that? There's definitely two prongs to this where one is more of the public. Like, I'm just looking for people who really want to be coached in that realm. And then there's going to be a corporate side where I go into companies to help with employee engagement and job satisfaction and those things like that. But it's it's utilizing this skill set that I built over 20 something years of learning how to live life with joy despite what's going on. And and for those listening, you know, I personally define joy 
as a deep-seated sense of peace and fulfillment that is not affected by the external. It doesn't mean yes. you're always happy. It doesn't mean you always have a smile on your face. It doesn't mean that you can't experience sadness and anger and anxiety and all those other things. It just means at the end of the day, like I'm still content with me as a human being. And that if everything around me crumbled, I may be sad and I may be angry and I'm going to have some shit to deal with, but I'm still internally going to be a joyful person. And that's hard yes. for a lot of people because a lot of people I've encountered have never experienced what that feels like because they've always right. been in chaos and turmoil and trauma. But I, yeah. I have a system that I know works because I've seen it work over and over again where I can lead people down that path. And everybody doesn't need to be the same and everybody's level of joy and contentment fulfillment is going to be different. But I truly believe that if we can do that for more people in this world, then the world gets better. And we don't have all this. Look, you know, you've been on the Internet. It's a cesspool. We got it. Right. But like you don't have to contribute to it. You know, you can keep scrolling past things that you don't like. You can you can right. not have an opinion. What a concept. You could just not have an yeah. opinion on something. It's one of the most yeah. freeing or, feelings in the world. You could just stay off the internet. <laughs> I can't. I mean, wait really, for that day. like you don't have to be on it, um, or you don't have to be sucked into it. That's the truth, right there. And you know, like I've curated my my social media to where I only see what I want to see. Right. So if if there's people that I've followed or that are friends with me or whatever that are just negative all the time and always come, I just hide them. I don't delete them because yeah, I want same. them to see my shit. <laughs> I definitely right, want them to right, see what right. I'm posting, but I just hide them. So I right. don't see them anymore. Great. Yeah. You can do that. I've done that too. Like, yeah. So fun. So fun. It is. But yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm really excited because this is something that I'm extremely passionate about that. I know I can facilitate long lasting change in people and the ripple effect of that is huge. It, you know, it's the, mm -hmm. it's the butterfly effect that we'll never know how many lives we affect by change like that, you know, if I can go into a company and help the worker over there live a more joyful, fulfilled life, and he takes that back home to his wife and kids, and they see a better father and a more present husband and, and a better leader for the household, just because he has more joy in his life. And they start to see that example growing up and that example around them. And those kids show up differently and they're a little more compassionate in the world. I mean, right. again, that's how change happens. So instead yeah. of this, you know, whatever people want to call it, downward spiral of morality in our country and, and this like overbearing selfishness that's, that's very selfish in a bad way, you know, we get people going, no, I'm going to protect myself and, and protect my joy and happiness so I can serve others in a greater capacity. And that's, that's right. all I'm trying and to I'm do. Gonna, exactly. And I'm going to keep saying this, that selfish is different than self-care. And even selfish as a word is not necessarily a negative connotation. We've created it to be that. But but being selfish in taking care of yourself so that you can be a better person for the rest of the world, nothing you know, wrong with that. It's the, the oxygen mask analogy. Like they always say, you know, right. put your mask on first so you can help the person next yep. to you. If you're passed out, you ain't helping shit. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. All right so, so two more, two questions, more questions for you. One. What? You're already oh, a happy yeah. person, but what is the, and I know you're super energized because you like transfer that to your clients. What's the, what's the song that you put on when you need that extra boost of energy or maybe when you're trying to inspire people to do more burpees? So, so I, I have, I have two. I love this question. I've asked this question on, on social media before and I'm always woefully intrigued at the responses I get. Um, 
in the gym, like if I'm really trying to get people to move, especially with burpees, uh, it would be bodies by drowning pool. And for those of you who don't know, that's a song that says, let the bodies hit the floor over and over again. So I'm like, okay. how, how appropriate a song. Very appropriate. Let the bodies yes. hit the floor. For me, this is interesting because yeah. this came up last week. I was doing a really heavy deadlift and I have a song that I've used for probably 15 years that is my heavy lift song. I know the cadence of the song. I know exactly when the part hits that I'm going to lift the weight that I'm going to lift. I know if I'm squatting, I know when to step under the bar. If I'm deadlifting, I know when to approach the bar and grab the bar and roll it out and roll it back in. And it's almost like Pavlov's dog. Like I've trained my nervous system to respond to that specific song. Mm. So I have this adrenaline rush in that moment, which is, I love that. It's a weird thing to do, but it can be done. Yeah. And yeah. In the song, because I was a wrestling fan for years, like I would, I still watch it. Like, you know, if I, if it pops up, I'll watch it. So there was a wrestler, Triple H, who, yeah, I don't know. He's like co-owner of WWE now. Uh, his theme song is called The Game. And it's by a group called Motorhead, which is a huge rock band, have been for years. Mm -hmm. But the song itself, when he comes out to the ring and that song's playing, he's got this whole cadence and he comes out and he like, he kind of hulks himself up and spits water in the air. And it's this, it's this spectacle. Right. And so I, I used to see that like playing in my head when it was the same thing for me. So it's like when he's, you know, flexing his muscles and spitting the water in the air, like that's when I'm lifting the weight and I've just trained myself like that. And it's, it, and it works almost, almost every time, you know, sometimes I bite off a little more than I could chew, but, but that's, that's my song right there. That is magnificent. And I got to give it to you, Mark. That is the most detailed explanation of why a song is your song that I've it ever should, heard. It should matter. Like, there should be some meaning behind it. You know, if it's just a song where you're like, I don't know, I just kind of like the song. Like, that's fine. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But like, I, I think when there's some attachment to it, it, it allows your body to really respond in the way that you want, especially when we're talking about trying to hype yourself up. It's one thing to get yeah. in the mood for something or, you know, I'm going to meditate. So I need this. But like when you're right. trying to literally almost artificially yeah. create some excitement and hype and adrenaline, like you need something that means something to you. Yeah, absolutely. And you are giving me an opportunity to talk about for a second why I, I even ask this song or why, why I even I ask this question. And it's because for me, music has always been and for a lot I mean, there's science and research behind it, too. It's a... um it's very powerful music. And especially when you have it personalized to like, this song means this to me. Or when I hear this song, it gets me into this mood or it inspires me to, to take on this accomplish, you know, this um, task or challenge. Yeah. Have you seen, there's a video that I, I think I saw it last year. It's this lady in a wheelchair. Very, I mean, she looks very old and I, I don't know how cognizant she really is on a regular basis you know, she kind of looks like she's just there and they put some headphones on her and start playing classical music or ballet or something. So back in, you know, when she was a young girl, she did ballet and again, mm -hmm. she's in a wheelchair Yeah, and, and the music starts playing. All of a sudden you see her start like, like moving her arms like a ballet dancer. And it was the music. Like it literally just yeah. flipped something in her brain. It's like, Hey, we remember this. And it yeah. was it, like incredible to watch. Like how much in that, in, you know, those, those two or three minutes, like she was alive again. And, yeah, and I don't think yeah. we, we, you know, we're, we're so worried about 
you know, medications and all these medical techniques and stuff that we forget how powerful some of that stuff actually is. Yeah. Yeah. They've done a lot of studies on um, in nursing homes as well, where they have residents who are completely unresponsive until you put on some music. It's amazing. And it really is. All right. Now, Joy Code, or if somebody wants to get in touch with you to, to have you kick their ass and working out or whatever. Uh, <laughs> either way, how do people get in touch with you? You know, the, the easiest way really is social media. Like I'm, I'm on social media all the time, probably, probably too much, uh, you know, Facebook or LinkedIn. I don't like, I don't LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> okay. I've, all right. I've avoided I'll, that I'll, platform I'll, for so long. Uh, it's not bad. No, it's, it's great. It's great. It was like, you know, my head, I was just making it to be something like, Oh, one more thing, but it's, it's an yeah. awesome platform. It's a great way to connect with people. But, uh, you know, Mark Zalmanoff on Facebook, Mark Zalmanoff on, on Instagram, Mark Zalmanoff on LinkedIn, uh, Mark Z fitness. That's M A R C the letter Z fitness.com is my gym website. And, uh, you know, we're working on some joy code stuff. But uh, I'm I'm not hard to find. Like just you literally just Google my name. My phone number is probably somewhere. Oh, my book. I have a book called Make Good Choices on it on Amazon. I have a podcast called Make Good Choices. Like I'm not a hard dude to find. Like I, I could never commit a crime because I'd have nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some incentive to keep you straight on the straight on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Um. Cool. I'll have links to that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining me today on Fine is a Four Letter Word, Mark. So fun. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And for those of you listening, man, you know, go, go live life. Put a smile on your face, nod your head. Yes. If you want some stuff and and make good choices. It's a, uh, you know, too short, too short of a time. We're here to not do that. I knew you were going to have to tell him to make good choices. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I appreciate Mark's perspective on how the expectations set upon men to be strong and brave can make them feel weak and afraid. Here are my top takeaways from this conversation. Number one, most of us learn by watching the people around us. Whether you see good or not so good role models, that's where your beliefs and behaviors come from. It's not so much by what people tell you, but rather by how they act. Mark's father rarely spoke with him, but was able to give his son a positive example, which Mark has passed and is passing to his own children. Number two, you don't need a coaching budget to get coaching. When Mark found himself in situations where he didn't know if he could afford his next meal, he found valuable and actionable knowledge through books, podcasts, and YouTube videos. Don't let a tight budget stop you from gaining the knowledge and information you need to succeed. Number three, men tend to isolate themselves and say, it's fine. They're taught to be strong, independent, and resilient. The fatal flaw is that a person can only have these three traits and characteristics when they have a support network and the ability to communicate with others and get the help when they need it. Number four, self-isolation is different from stoicism. The Wikipedia defines Stoicism as a belief that the practice of virtue is enough to achieve a well-lived life. The ancient Stoics identified the path to achieving it with a life spent practicing the four virtues in everyday life, wisdom, courage, temperance or moderation, and justice, and living in accordance with nature. By nature, humans are social, interconnected beings. Number five, 
Stoicism is over 2,000 years old, but if you simply translate the writings from that period into today's vernacular, it sounds a lot like today's world. Humankind hasn't really changed that much. Sure, our surroundings and our environment have changed, but the human condition has remained largely constant. Whatever you're facing or feeling today, someone else has been through it. It's normal and you are not alone. Thanks for listening to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow and share it with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to help others discover it too. You can find links to my socials on my website, zenrabbit.com. And before you go, take a moment to reflect on what you're grateful for today. Remember, you have the power to create a life you love, and I'm proud of you. Thanks for joining me. Take care.